Hello again, everyone. Hello. Um, if I can just uh, call us to order so that we can get in as many questions as possible. Um, there's, a, there's a path up the middle here, and Ken will come to you with a microphone. So if you've got a question, please catch my eye, and I'll select an order. Uh, and wait till Ken gets you, to you with the microphone uh, in order that everyone can hear. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking for bids right away to uh, cross-examine Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Right, sorry. Oh, yes, now, if, if, if you're up the top there, if you can come down to the foot of the stairs, we'll start, start um, with yourself at the foot of the stairs, and then we'll come to you at the front next, okay? Uh, MDLs after that? No. Okay. I'd like to raise a point uh, made by one of the Gifford uh, lecture panel, uh, and I thought it was very eloquently said in a few words. University is now about getting a degree and not about education. Uh, and the question is, how can we take that forward? The idea of getting a degree is a functional idea. In other words, a degree serves a particular purpose towards a particular applied end. And the reason students come to us now is they know that they should be applying this degree in very particular applied settings within the workforce, and that this degree then will guarantee them an advantage, socioeconomically, um, professionally, an advantage. So this idea of getting a degree needs to be rethought. What is a degree for is the more important question, I would say. that. What, why should a student get a degree? Now, if it's simply to get into a certain socioeconomic bracket of the workforce, then I think the university has lost its way. University education has got to be more about simply supplying the workforce. It's got to be more than that. It doesn't necessarily have to completely excise that, but it has to be more than only providing the economy with workers. So if we define education then in a much broader sense, picking up from the kind of history I've suggested, Kant, Humboldt, Newman, as something far more cultivating than simply an applied set of skills in a particular job context, then we can begin to rethink the degree and the education, those two terms. That's my short answer. Wasn't it a mistake to make polytechnics universities? Because, as you rightly said, you know, universities should have much more freedom and provide you know, people with education for the education's sake. And polytechnics provided much more technically, you know, technical people for the industry. You know, that was always quite clearly understood. But isn't it now this line blurred, you know, and as you say, you now every degree should have some kind of applied, you know. I might rephrase your question, if I may. Was it right to convert the polytechnics into universities, which is what has happened? You, don't, you barely see polytechnic schools around anymore. Most of them are converted into universities. This is what I would call the democratization of higher education. Everyone should and can go and get a degree now, regardless of your particular skill interest, 
intellectual interest, or professional interest. Whatever it is, it should be channeled through the university. Now, that's the model that I think needs rethinking. The polytechnic is an important, somewhere you've got to go learn a skill. If you want to work in the automotive industry, university in this old traditional sense is not the place to do that. You need to, you need to have the place to find and, and hone those skills. Now, call it what you will, polytechnic, whatever. I don't care. When you try and suggest, though, that the importance of the very applied skills like an automotive industry should necessarily come through the university, then you've got to stop and think, well, is that the right move? Are we really fooling ourselves? Some other university is this catch-all for every professional intention whatsoever. And it shouldn't be. <laughs> Okay, uh, I was surprised that, and your suggestion, how we can define what university is for, you never mentioned free thinking. Okay, um, thank you for that. My notion of free thinking would come under the, probably the least expected of my four suggestions. And that was the third one, critique. Critique. Now, this is generally not talked about, but what I think is important, one of the roles for the university, is to be a free space, an autonomous space, I say this in the Kantian sense, liberal space, to critique, to off, offer critical thinking. Now, critique does not necessarily hostile reaction against. It's critical thinking implying very discerned judgments on the state of, of affairs, or on possibilities. Discern now that's where free thinking, autonomous thinking, ought to flourish under that banner of critique. We, I can talk further about that if, if you wish. Yes. Can I beg to differ about the separation between polytechnics and universities? Mm -hmm. If you want to produce, if well, ideally, I would like, ideally, I would like to produce technocrats who also can think independently, freely, about what they are doing with the knowledge that they have. If you separate it out and don't allow a student, perhaps, who is studying uh, how to make motor cars, is never questioned about why. They're making these motor cars. Why are they producing these things? And they're not even expected to. I think that's why perhaps we're in the state we're in. <laughs> okay, that's an excellent commentary on one of the biggest challenges the university faces right now. And one of the issues that I think widens the debate even beyond education. Inherent in your question is this idea that Every citizen ought to have some access to the kind of knowledge that is not necessarily applied. I don't argue with that at all. I think that's a very noble way of looking at the role of citizenship. Very noble. Must that take place within the confines of the university? Now, therein, I think, is a debate. 
And I'm not convinced that the place of technical skill required for something like the automotive industry and the place for thinking through some of the, the other issues that are not necessarily applied to that should be in the exact same institutional framework. I'm not convinced about that because what I've seen is the difficulties that have arisen in trying to operationally keep those two together. There is a way, perhaps, of keeping the skill and the knowledge for knowledge's sake separate, but allowing them open to a single person. Uh, just think for a moment of what, what the term bachelor comes from, in a bachelor of arts. Now, there's a particular history about, uh, in, a, in a class understanding, that the bachelor is the one that goes and becomes worldly wise in the way of, of history, politics, arts, philosophy, etc. And then, after they've got that degree, they go into their business, into their industry, into their land that they own, the landed gentry, blah, 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 and take forward that. Now, that's an old model. But perhaps there's something in thinking about that separation. Might there be a way of every citizen allowing, being allowed access to the kind of university knowledge that is not necessarily applied, while still then having some other recourse to the applied skills. I'm not convinced that should be under the same institutional umbrella, but I am in complete concord with your understanding of the necessity for that, or even the ideal of that. Hey, I I just wanted to um, give like a student perspective. Please, please, of, I'm glad. Thank you. You were saying about um, students now go to university and they want something at the end of it. I think a lot of that's fueled by the um, tuition fees that we're now faced with. At the age of eight, 17, 18, when you go into university and you're going to be told that in three, four years you're going to come out with 50, 60, 70,000 pounds worth of debt, for it's okay for um, like older people to say, oh, it's a tax. Think of it as an older, you'll pay it back, you'll get it back. But for a 17-year-old who's only ever had a Saturday job that gave them £40 and then they went out and spent it, it's a massive thing to face Absolutely. them in the future. Absolutely. So I know part of my choice when I went to university was something that was going to give me a definite job at the end of it, was going to put me up um, like a, a salary ladder just because I knew that I was going to have to pay it back and... When you're that young, it's quite scary setting off. It, it takes away the freedom to be like, yes, I'll go to university and think, because you think, well, where will that, I'll be £50,000 worse off, and I'll have thought a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's great. Yeah. 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 Now, your dilemma, and I, believe me, as no one gets to the university without being a student themselves, so I, I have gone through your dilemma itself. Um, living hand-to-mouth for years, impoverished. It's, it's something we all experience, and I'm very, very sensitive to that. What you've described is precisely the inner mechanism of university in its marketized form. 
When you marketize the university or economize the university in the way that I've suggested it has become, it fuels the necessity for the very thing you're talking about. Fees are coming uh, or going up, 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 especially down south, um, precisely because the government will not fund it if it is not providing the engine it thinks it ought to be. In not providing that, then you're left with all this debt, and it requires that you get, and the government has stipulated down south what that um, salary will be. It would be £21,000 or more. Once you start earning £21,000 or more, then you have to start paying back these debts. So you have to go to university under this system and come out of a job that's going to be at least £21,000 or more. You have to, or you won't be paying that off. Now you can see how that is internally, it's almost like a hermetic seal on that paradigm. What I'm saying is smash the paradigm with a hammer and reconstruct it so that it's not imperative that you get that 21,000 at the end of it. Because that is what is going to only make this economization more and more necessary. Now, I say this to all my students, you're the generation that's got to take the hammer. It's too late for us in some respects. You're the generation that's got to do it. Um, I've got so many um, <laughs> thoughts on what you've said. But uh, from my perspective, I'm uh, running my own business. I'm a software developer. And in our industry, um, when people say, let's go to university, let's get an education, and then we can earn a higher salary and go off and be developers, people in my industry a lot of the time just go, there's no point. We can just do it all online. Yeah. Um, and so for me... The thing I took away from you. Can, can I just ask a question? Yes. What, when you say do it online, what, what's the it there? Learn. Right. Acquire, not, not necessarily with a degree. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just acquire the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. so many tutorials, blah, 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 yeah. online stuff. But um, the point that I'd like to make is I did my degree in electronic engineering, and all my knowledge now is gone, completely gone. And the only thing I've retained is I learnt how to learn. That was the one thing I took away from university. And I always say that the best thing about my experience at universities, the lecturers were terrible. Because <laughs> it forced me to learn how to learn. And I'm now a math tutor, one of the things that I do. And, yeah, I absolutely love it. And that's because I'm fascinated by the learning process. Okay. But uh, for me, what this lady said before about critical thinking as well, that, to me, there's so little critical thinking in our society. Yeah. It's yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for those comments. I'll restrain from asking what university you went to. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to learn. This is, this is a, great, a great phrase um, and an important, important aspect of what I think a university education could and should um, provide. It's one of the only ways the university has now to market itself, uh, the, the humanities especially. So I teach religion, and everyone comes to me and says, right, well, you don't even teach theology, so you're not even going to put people into, the, into the, the pulpits in churches. What good is a degree in religion? And the only recourse we have in marketing language 
teach is precisely this. You learn how to learn. And by God, you learn how to learn. <laughs> you learn how to learn better than anybody else. Now, that's insufficient. That's insufficient. What we need to be developing here is a broader sense of the discipline of learning that can go beyond the kind of cause and effect applied notions that we get from what they call the STEM subjects. Science, technology, uh, economics, uh, mathematics. These, these applied things. You can learn how to learn in a variety of different ways. A variety of different ways. One of the best ways to learn how to learn may be the least applicable in any specific context. Take, for example, learning how to scan poetry. And you might think, what a useless piece of knowledge base to work from. Ah, but the skills required in learning how to unpackage a poem and scan poetry is just as transferable, arguably even more, than learning how to write computer programming. In fact, the best computer programmers I know never have gone to university, and a lot of them are poets. Thank you, Andrew, for your very interesting talk. It's been really good to hear you. Um, can I just make a comment on behalf of professional engineers um, and the separation of polytechnics and universities? I don't know about my friend over here. I studied engineering at the University of London in an old established college, and we were taught to question why we did what we did. Um, I, and he's nodding, so I guess electronic engineers are taught the same. Learning to learn is a big part about what um, engineering is. Unfortunately, in the UK, people confuse mechanics and engineers and Without meaning to diss the audience today, I think there's been a little bit of that going on. Um, secondly, I also have a degree in theology, and I would agree that's a great way of learning how to learn with absolutely no guarantee of a job at the end of it. So, just a couple of comments. Thank good, you. Good. Uh, I, I don't need to respond to them. They're self-evident. Thank you for that. Yeah, I wanted to pick up on that. I didn't like Kant's separation very much, and I'm all in favor of uh, Humboldt's idea of preserving the autonomy of the university. Just to give you one example, geometry, uh, often taken as being one of the most abstract of su subjects, so Euclid's geometry, probably owes its origin to practical requirements of Egyptians to, to measure the land due to flooding of the Nile and so forth. So I think it's, uh, it's quite false to suggest that there is uh, a distinction which is important from the point of view of actually learning between applied and pure subjects. In my own subject of statistics, then uh, R.A. Fisher is the greatest statistician worked at, at Rothamsted Agricultural Research Station, developed fundamental um, approach of statistical inference, which are actually used by philosophers. And I have been to joint philosophy statistics conferences debating Fisher's uh, techniques, and they arose out of practical agricultural experiments. So I don't actually see this as being an important distinction. What I do think is important is the idea of uh, education as a good in itself and what shouldn't simply shake it down always uh, for the practical content, let alone uh, for the fact that the degree is at the end, although I appreciate that that's an important part of the process. Good. Thank you for that, Stephen. Uh, my comment there would be, uh, yes, we can set up this false dichotomy between polytechnic and the real university. And I, I, I don't want to strain that too far. Um, uh, it, it, my comments were born out of a particular question um, along those lines. And so let me qualify that slightly. The distinction between applied and non-applied, I agree with you wholeheartedly, needs to be rethought itself. 
And the division that Kant had set out has now created a problem between a kind of internal war of the sciences versus the humanities, or as the scientist likes to say, artsy-fartsy subjects. And just that pejorative term alone suggests, oh, you're beneath me. Now, that kind of war needs to stop. It needs to stop. The, the, the emergence of the polytechnic schools, the, the, the difficulty they, I have with them is they already presupposed the outcome of the skill. That is, you go in and you have developed a particular skill for a pre-set or pre-described outcome. Where I think science is crucial within the university context and should not be separated at all from any kind of arts and humanities is the kind of free thinking space where science can develop without a presupposed outcome. And I might complain as someone within the humanities that that, that we have been strapped to a scientific agenda. But I'll tell you, every scientist I talk to across the hall and my colleagues, they complain about the same thing. They complain that they are not getting that free space, that they're they're being predisposed towards a particular agenda, whether it comes to funding stream or what have you. That, I think, has got to stop. So let's not falsify the division between applied and non-applied, but let's make sure that what we're talking about here provides the kind of critical space, either within a a scientific or or a, a humanities context. So one here and then one down here. I apologise. Yeah. Okay, yes, Andrew, thank you very much. I would just like to um, reinforce what a friend over here has said. He was talking about equipping um, people for learning and giving them the tools of learning. And I think the Scottish model of education now is really crucial in this, and it would be interesting to see in maybe five or six years' time, whether um, the calibre of students and the, the kind of experiences that students have before they reach university um, makes any difference at all. Because um, I know as teachers we moan about this curriculum for excellence, but I think um, the importance of it can't be underestimated. And those of you who perhaps don't know, um, our new curriculum in Scotland is developing and we develop this through every single subject. We are developing through the four capacities of the new curriculum for excellence. We are developing responsible citizens, effective contributors. And if you think of these words and how they apply to everyday life, responsible citizens, effective contributors, successful learners, and confident individuals. Now, this is from the age three to 18. Now, what universities do with these people after we're finished with them, you know, I'm not sure. But I think do not underestimate the, the, the hard work that is being done from age three up to university age. Um, and we are developing critical thinking in everything we do. Children are becoming more reflective, more critical in what they do, and more, what else can I say? Um, I mean, I do, we do, I do, I know we moan about it a lot, but really these young people are coming up to university, um, hopefully better equipped than they have been in years before. And it will take five or six years for this to come through, I think, and it'll be very interesting to see. So, but I do agree, you know, that we, we are trying to do this now. Good. 
I hear the heavenly applause of Cardinal Newman there <laughs> in particular. I am, I am buoyed by the fact that the rhetoric up here in Scotland, particularly from the new SNP government, is less wedded to the economization model. It still exists, but it's less wedded, and I'm buoyed by that. I am not as confident that they can sustain this with the pressures from the south at the university level. But as Sheila, someone within uh, primary and secondary education, uh, if the curriculum, uh, the, new, the new curriculum itself can provide the kind of fundamental principles which are missing in the students as we get them at the university now, fantastic. Uh, and I guess we need to be patient in that respect. One last question. Well, I, I, what I was going to say, what you said a couple of minutes ago about the split between the science and, and the arts faculty. I mean, my, in my, I used to teach in the science faculty, and basically there was a complete split between, I mean, except a social individual basis between the arts, social sciences, and the scientists. And on the whole, the scientists sort of took the view, well, we can, we can read literature. What, you know, what are they doing kind of attitude? It was very much common. And uh, so the, the, this idea of the university as some kind of universal uh, integrated whole disappeared, I would say, 50 years ago or so. It's not just a recent phenomenon. It's been developing over a long time. So what the solution to that is another matter, but... Uh, you know, I agree that the scientists now feel even when you're doing a pure science, you have to put in some bogus statement that it has some relevance to the society. So, you know, it is an issue for science as well. Can I just finish in response to that with my fourth point on creativity? Now, one would naturally think that's a humanitarian or the subject for the humanities. No. The best science has come about through creative moments. And it is in the science uh, disciplines and faculties where we need to be thinking and cultivating this idea of the creative rather than this has to have a prescribed endpoint in fixing malaria or you know, creating a new, new um, uh, understanding of the electron collider or whatever. If we can think about the science model as much a creative enterprise as we think about English, fine arts, and any others, I think we will be, we will be supporting what most scientists want anyways. Yeah. Um, can I ask us all to thank Andrew for his uh, stimulating our thinking today? <laughs> <laughs>